to read scripture to you to just kind of kick this off. And we're going to talk about, as Pastor Chad said, the table. But John chapter 12, verse 49, Jesus says this. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me, listen to this, what to say and how to say it. How many of you know we might say one thing, but it might come across the wrong way sometimes? I can say one thing to Rochelle, but sometimes it comes across in a way that I didn't mean. In other words, I can tell if she's had a long day at work, I can say, hey, baby, you just need to relax. Just relax. Or if we're in a disagreement and I say, you need to relax, that doesn't go over very well. That is, she's, she's usually, we're going to have to find a different way to communicate because that's not going to work for me. Um, so how many of you ladies enjoy being told to relax? Yeah, I think that's a universal thing. So I just wanted to make sure I wasn't alone in that. Jesus says, the Father commanded me what to say and how to say it. In other words, Jesus is an advocate for the Father. And this summer, we want to primarily teach scripture that was spoken directly from the mouth of Jesus during his time on earth as he was advocating for the Father. We want to understand that he wasn't, he wasn't just speaking on his own authority, but in perfect submission to what the Father commanded. You see, we don't want to be just a group of believers who hears the word, but we also want to be doers of the word. That's right. And so we're talking about what if Jesus were serious, and we're talking today, I'm going to spend most of our time in Luke chapter 5, what if Jesus was serious about the table, about the table. I want to read Luke chapter 5, verse, we're going to start in verse 27 today. Verse 27. It says, later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi. Levi is Matthew. Some we hear, we hear the word Matthew, same guy. Levi was sitting in his tax collector's booth, and Jesus says, follow me and be my disciple. And so Levi got up, he left everything, and he followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. We're going to talk about that today. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. They said, why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them and said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and that they need to repent. Let me ask you a question today. And I'm not trying to bring up anything from your past rhetorical question. How many of you can remember a time in your life that you were betrayed? A couple of people were honest, actually raised their hand, yeah. You don't have to do that, but how, can you remember a time 
that you were betrayed or that you were wronged by somebody. You know, there's no worse feeling when you have been betrayed by someone that you care deeply about. It's not the worst thing to be wronged by somebody that you just don't have relationship with. I mean, it's not great. But when you care deeply about that person, there's just no worse feeling. When you shared your life with someone who, someone who knows your deepest, darkest secrets, someone that you are in covenant with, someone that you could let your guard down with, someone that you could take your mask off in front of, someone that you would do anything for, there's just not a worse feeling than to be betrayed by that person. Could have been a friend, a business partner, could have been a spouse, a child. And unfortunately, we see betrayal sometimes in ministry. I've been, a, I've been at Destiny Church from the beginning, 17 years, I think, 17 years. And unfortunately, we see betrayal as a pastor. People that you've invested so much time in, people that you have pastored, that you have laughed with, that you have cried with, people that you have counseled, people that you have broken bread with, it hurts when that person leaves your church and gives you no reason why. There's a story about a man who was on a deserted island for eight years, much like the movie Castaway. Have you seen the movie Castaway? He's on a deserted island. He was shipwrecked for eight years. And they finally found him and brought him back to, to uh, you know, brought him back to the mainland and, and they cleaned him up and they took care of him, got him medical attention and he went through counseling. Can you imagine being isolated for eight years by yourself on an island? And sometime later, they asked him, would you be interested in, in us shooting a documentary about your life on that island for eight years? We would take you back to the island, and he agreed to it. And as they are pulling that boat up to that island, he began to weep because all of those feelings came back. And they get up to the island, and there's these three structures that this man had built, small little huts that this man had built. And the guy who was interviewing him was just so interested in, tell me about these, 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 these structures, these huts. And he goes, well, this first one, this is where I lived. I lived here. I, I, my bed was there. I cooked my meals um, that, that I caught from the ocean right there. That's where I spent a lot of my time. And the man said, that's amazing. That's amazing. What's this second hut? And he goes, that's, that's where I went to church. He goes, I'm a man of faith. I, 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 I'd never lost my faith. And that's where I spent time worshiping the Lord. And the man said, that is amazing. He goes, you built a house? You built a church to worship in? What's this third structure? And he goes, well, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> Guess he got mad and left. 
And that was a lot funnier in my mind. <laughs> you guys thought I was going to get all serious on you. I've got to work on my joke-telling skills. But we all know what it's like to be betrayed. And that's exactly how the Jewish people of the day felt toward tax collectors. Let me read you from, I want to read you uh, uh, just a, a, it's from a commentary and it's going to tell you a little bit about this tax collecting business. I've always heard this, but I didn't, I didn't understand why tax collectors were so hated. Listen to this. The Jewish people rightly considered tax collectors as traitors because they worked for the Roman government and they had the force of the Roman soldiers behind them to make people pay taxes. The Jewish people considered tax collectors as extortioners because they would keep whatever they overcollected. A tax collector would bid against others for that tax collecting contract. The man would collect taxes, he would pay the Romans what he promised, and then he would keep the overage. And so it was, there was great motivation for tax collectors to overcharge, and listen, and cheat any way they could because it was for pure profit for them. When Jewish people entered the tax collecting business, they were regarded as an outcast from society. They were disqualified as a witness in court. They were excommunicated from their synagogue. And in the eyes of their community, they were considered a disgrace to their family. This is Levi. He was hated. He was a cheat. He was fraudulent. And what's interesting is it's easy to point the finger at Levi and say that's wrong and that's sin and you should be ashamed yourself and we fail to recognize every time that we gossip about our brother and sister we are the extortioners we're Levi every time we're passive aggressive with our neighbor we are Levi Every time we, we point a finger at someone's addiction and yet we are addicted to lying or stretching the truth to twist things in our favor, we are Levi. And I know it's Father's Day and maybe you didn't come to hear a message like this, but just go with me here. I'm going somewhere. I want you to go with this. The reality of this Christian walk at some point, okay, I'm going to offend you and you're going to offend me. It's going to happen at some point. We're going to offend each other. It happens. But we're going to also have moments that we need grace on those days. But sometimes we look at Levi, we look at others with disgust and we say, how could you? Sometimes we fail to recognize that we, when we get into our day-to-day, -day, we are in the same need of grace that Levi is. And if you, since I'm just giving you my opinion, let me give you another opinion. Maybe you want this, maybe you don't, but I'm going to give it anyway. I think we sometimes unknowingly identify with the Pharisees in this group as well. You see, these guys have come to the conclusion that they're better. They're better. We're better people than you. And I wonder, how well have you loved your neighbor 
that you disagree with their lifestyle. I didn't say accept or tolerate. I said, how well have you loved your neighbor? How well have you loved that person that has turned their back on God? How well have you loved the recently divorced who may have been unfaithful to their spouse? How well have you loved that person who drives slow in the passing lane? I don't drive slow in the passing lane. I'm talking about I need to do a better job at loving that person. You see, it's easy for us to get in the Christian club knowing it's only because of Jesus that I'm saved, but it's much easier for me to see the plank in your eye and not the plank in my own. And we complain and we get worked up and we sometimes reject those who offend our Christian morals and, and, and our values and our beliefs. And I'm just not sure that that was God's heart for the world he created. Remember something if you're like, I'm not sure about that, Pastor Jason. Remember something. Jesus did not hang out with church folks. He was in the temple teaching, yes. But he didn't hang out with church folks. He was with the sinner. He was with the broken. He was with the ones who had lost all hope. He was with people who lived a lifestyle that we good Christians wouldn't approve of. And what else is crazy about this story in Luke chapter five is that Levi had no fruit in his life before he received an invitation from Jesus. In other words, Jesus gave Levi an invitation before he proved himself worthy of it. And even if you today are in sin, if you are in your tax collecting booth, Jesus has extended an invitation to you and to me. And notice something in this story. Jesus extends invitation to Levi, and then Levi extends invitation to Jesus. And that's where we're going to talk about the table. The question today is this. Have you responded to the invitation? Have you responded to that? And in turn, have you invited Jesus to be the guest of honor at your table? Now, in this Luke chapter 5, Levi is inviting Jesus to a legitimate dinner table, to a banquet. But the greater message here is that we should invite Jesus to be the guest of honor at the table of our lives. Luke chapter 5, 29, let me read it again to you. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors, so people just like him, were there. Other guests also ate with them. The Pharisees were there, so it says, but the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus. And they said, why do you eat with and drink with such scum? We should invite Jesus 
to be the guest of honor. But what I'm realizing, and I want you to catch this today, I want you to consider this in your own life. We should invite Jesus to be the guest of honor in our life, but many of us are too insecure about our sin to let Jesus sit that close. I think a lot of us, we might say, Jesus, I want to invite you into my life. I want you to sit at my table. But you see, I have some things in my life that I know I need to lay down. And it's, 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 it's kind of embarrassing. Um, actually, let, let me get those things cleaned up first. Let me make sure everything looks good before I invite you in to sit at the table. So if you don't mind, Jesus, if you would just stand outside on the front porch because, you know what, I, I do need you because when I can't pay the bills, I need you close by. And when I can't, you know, when I get a bad report from the doctor, I don't want you to be too far away. But you know what, to really come into my inner circle and sit at my table, I'm just not sure that that's, that's what I want right now. So let me get some of these things cleaned up first, and then I'll invite you in. How many of you would clean your house before a guest would come over? Of course we do. That's what, that's, you know, I'm not going to invite you to my house, and, and, and I've got, you know, all of our towels ready to be folded sitting on the couch. That's where we put them anyway. I don't know where you guys do. <laughs> we're, you know, we're not going to leave dirty dishes in the sink. We're not going to push everything under the, under the rug, under the couch, under the bed just to hide it. No, we're going to clean it. Rochelle and I lead a table group, and we always on Wednesday afternoon when I get home from the office, we clean the house, you know, we, we, we sweep. We have a yellow lab, so we have to like sweep all the time, all the time, you know, and, and, and that's what we do. We clean up before a guest comes over. We want, our place, we want our place to be good before guests come over, but we need to understand that God wants you to know that goodness is actually only found in him. He wants to come right now. Like, he wants you to let him into the mess of your life and say, well, God, here you go. I'm not proud of this. It's kind of dirty over here. I'm a little embarrassed about that. In fact, no one knows about this part over here. I hope you're not disappointed in me. And Jesus is saying, I'm so glad you let me into your life. Let's get this cleaned up. You know, Pastor Elliot last week did such an incredible job speaking about worship. And I want to reference John 15 that he read last week. If you missed it, you really need to go back and watch it. It's, it it'll be on YouTube. You can search, just search Destiny Church Mo, and you, you really should watch it if you missed it. John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says, Yes, I am the vine. And you are the branches. In other words, he is the, he says vine. He is the tree, we are the branches. That's how I think of it. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When's the last time you saw a branch laying on the ground, not connected to the tree, and it still has leaves growing on it? It's still producing. No. 
it's going to die. It, it, it's, it's cut off, and at some point, all of that green is going to leave sooner than later. And the only reason we have dead branches in our life that we don't have fruit is because we're not seated at the table with the one who gives you the power to produce that fruit. We're not producing fruit because Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do it. You can't do it. When are we, when are we going to learn to... to, to, to to stop trying to produce fruit in our lives in hopes that Jesus would want to be the guest of honor. He wants to be the head of your table, the guest of honor in the mess of your life right now. Not after you try to clean it, not after when you think you have it all together. Right now in your sin, in your mess, he wants to sit at the head of your table. His word says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Luke chapter 5, verse 30. Let's continue with this. It says, But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus, Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus says, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. Jesus hasn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. Yes, he wants us to abide in him according to our, the verse we just read. We have, to we have to stay connected to him. But he would leave the 99 to get the one. Every time, his word tells us that. Don't wait to clean it up on your own because apart from Jesus, you can't do it. It'll never happen. And today, as I start to wrap up, I want to talk to the dads for just a moment. I know it's Father's Day, and we want to honor our dads. We want to honor the men. And I know that Father's Day is a celebration for some, and some it's painful. Maybe your dad's no longer with us. Maybe your dad was non-existent. I understand that, and I just want to say to you, I, I'm sorry. I, 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 you know, I feel for you. But I want to talk to the dads for just a moment. Considering it's Father's Day, I want to speak just to the men for a second. Who's a, who's a father in the room? Raise your hand if you're a dad. Yeah. Men, some of you, someday you will be a dad. There's a calling on our life to shepherd our home, to be the priest of our home, to love our wives, to discipline our children properly, to provide, to protect. The church needs fathers that are righteous, who are not afraid to be confrontational and merited, but yet they need fathers who are wise and who are kind and who are compassionate, who are self-controlled. 
And as, an, as a dad, there's an expectation to provide for my family, to protect, and to produce all kinds of fruit. Teach my kids the way that they should go. Sometimes they want to listen, sometimes they don't. Our wives want us to lead spiritually. And rightly so, we should. That's what the Bible says we should do. Our kids crave our love, our safety, our trust, our time. Your family needs you to be present for them, to be all these things. The Lord desires for you to be the priest of your home. And if you're anything like me, all of these expectations um, and responsibilities can be overwhelming. I, I, sometimes, I don't know about you, Dad, but sometimes um, I feel like I can't live up to all these things, just to be honest. I feel like I'm falling short a lot. Um, I worry that, you know, worry is not something I personally deal with a lot, but I do worry that I'm not going to be enough for my family. I don't think sometimes my efforts of how good that might be. Sometimes I just don't feel like I measure up. Dad, am I the only one in the room? Do you ever feel that way? You ever feel like, man, this is is a weight. Being a father, but a godly father. Sometimes I think to myself, my kids are grown. And, um, you know, parenting adult children is not easy. And sometimes I think it was, did I do a good enough job? You know, did I do a good enough job pointing them to Jesus? And as I sit at my table, my physical table, you know, now that Cole's home from college, he'll go back this August, but in the summertime, we sit and have dinner three nights a week, maybe four nights a week, you know, depending on who's working and who's not. That's important. I think it's important. Dads, you, you, you know, we, we need to sit at the table with our kids. We need to have dinner and have conversation. But I sit at my table sometimes and it, we have an important decision to make, dads. Am I just going to hope to be enough? Or will I invite Jesus as the guest of honor to my table? Am I going to keep Jesus at the center of my life and hope that my kids might catch me in that act? Husbands, your wife wants you to be the spiritual leader of your home. I asked Rochelle not too long ago, you know, we celebrated 25 years of marriage this year. And I said, uh, I said, what? You know, I'm starting to get to be an old man now. At least my kids tell me that. I don't think I'm that old, but. You know, yesterday I, I bent down and picked up a limb and my back gave out. That got, so I got that going for me right now. But. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I just feel like I'm just, it's just, I'm just not enough. I can't be all these things. 
This is difficult. And my, your, your wife wants you to be the spiritual leader of your home. And I asked my wife, I said, what, after 25 years, what, what attracts you to me? Why are you attracted to me? You know, what is it? You know, that Toby Keith song, I'm not as good as I once was. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not 25 anymore. And she said, you know what attracts me to you? It's when I see you getting alone with God or when I see you reading your Bible or, or doing a devotion. That's what attracts me to you. So, of course, I just read my Bible all the time now, you know. I am. I have. I have gone through the Bible four times this year, folks. I'm just kidding. Here's my question for you today. All this to ask you this question. It's for dads, but it's for everybody in the room. Who's the guest of honor in your home? Who's the guest of honor? Dads. Listen to me. I'm not I'm not condoning anything that you do or that how you live your life, but I want you to listen to me. Just just let me submit this to you. Who's the guest of honor at your home? Is it your career? Is it making money? Is it your drive to leave your kids something when it's your time to leave this earth? There's nothing wrong with that at all. But is it the guest of honor? Is it what matters to you the most? You see, we can leave our children money and your house and land in your car. And dads, you can leave your son your gun collection. You can pass down your, your love for sports and hunting and fishing. But if we aren't leaving them character, integrity, and showing them a love for Jesus, then we really haven't left them anything because money and novelties are someday just not even going to matter. Who's the guest of honor? This one's going to sting a little bit, okay? Is it travel ball? Nothing wrong with that. We did it. We did it. Sun tans, farmer's tans, sunburns, bleacher chairs, fast food, three meals a day, drive to St. Louis, stay two nights, drive home. The next weekend, drive to Kansas City, stay two nights, drive home. There's nothing wrong with travel ball. We lived it, we, it, was, it was a blast. Until it sits at the head of your table. Until it sits at the head of your table. Dads, is it insecurity? Well, how can that be the guest of honor, Jason? Is it a fear that you won't be considered manly if you let your guard down, you take your mask off, and you say, you know what? I'm gonna draw a line in the sand, and as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Is it insecurity? Who's the guest of honor? My biggest fear today is that this is just going to be another message that you agree with, that you nod your head at, that you say, that's good, or amen, and we go right back to our life and there's no adjustments. That's my biggest fear. You want to produce good fruit in your children, dads? Stay connected to the vine. 
Stay connected to, to Jesus because apart from him, you can't do it. You can't do it. Dads, it's time that we sit the right person and the right things at the head of our table. And so how do we do that? As I wrap up today, how do we do that? I'm, I'm, I'm on this journey too. I'm right with you. Romans chapter five, the first step is to realize that we are broken, that we are sinful, we are messed up, but there's a God who demonstrated his love for us by sending his son, not as a God, but as human, as a man, and he lived a perfect sinless life so that he could become our sin and he died for us while we were still sinners. It's, it's, it's Romans chapter 10 It's openly confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. He'll forgive you. He'll restore you. He'll guide you. He'll provide you with wisdom. He'll teach you to love. On those days that you don't feel like you're measuring up, he'll give you confidence. He'll provide you with his power. So it's two parts. It's asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life or rededicating your life if you've just kind of maybe lost your way. And it's number two, it's invite him to be the guest of honor at your table. Who's the guest of honor? Who's the guest of honor? Let's pray today. Jesus, we love you. God, I did my best today, Jesus. I know I know that this whole subject of fathers is heavy on your heart because in America today, I feel like we have a lack. And so today, God, as we make a decision, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would just, just start peeling back the layers of our heart that mask that is, as fathers that sometimes we put on, I just pray right now that you would just help us to be vulnerable. God, not just for the dads, I pray for the, the moms and the grandparents and the, and the young people. God, whatever they are in life, Lord, help us to understand that you are extending an invitation for us to abide in you, for us to be connected to your vine. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just speak to us today.